change your thinking. Everything starts with a thought. And the very good news is your thoughts are yours to change, update, upgrade, and reframe all the time. And if you do that, I promise you, it will change your entire life. Welcome to Happiful and Counseling Directories podcast. I am, I have. Today, we're hearing from the phenomenal Marissa Peer world-renowned therapist and founder of Rapid Transformational Therapy. In the next 30 minutes, Marissa will share why you are enough, how you've always been enough, and the actions you can take to start believing in yourself and treating yourself with more kindness and compassion today. Before we start today's podcast, however, I would like to ask you a favor. If you like this podcast, please share it with two other people who could benefit from hearing Marissa's words. That would mean the absolute world to us here at Happiful. Now, back to Marissa. Enjoy. I'm thrilled that we're joined by world-renowned therapist, founder of Rapid Transformational Therapy, motivational speaker, and best-selling author, Marissa Peer. Welcome, Marissa. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful to talk to you today, and we have a lot to talk about. Before we start, I'd really love it if you could introduce yourself in your own words and tell people what you think they should know about you. I've been a therapist my entire adult life, and I love it as much today as I did the day I started. I think I have the best job in the whole world. I'm never going to retire because I have the honor and the joy of helping people change their lives and sometimes helping people really change their lives so dramatically. And But I created my own version of therapy. I didn't quite go for the coming every week to talk about your feelings. I, I always thought therapy should be like the same as going to see a doctor or a chiropractor or even a dentist in that you turn up in pain and you want them to give you immediate pain relief as fast as you can. And when people have emotional pain, they can't find love or they self-sabotage. That's as painful as having a stomachache. It's just a different pain. So I created my own brand of therapy called RTT which I absolutely love. And then I created the I'm Enough movement, which has been so rewarding. And then this year, I created a program for schools using RTT techniques called the I Can't, Can't or I Can Challenge. And that's gone into hundreds of schools, thousands actually. And that's been amazing. And then I also created something called Dietless Life because I was so anti the whole diet industry. So I love my job because it's always shooting off in, in other directions, but it's rewarding, it's fulfilling, it gives me immense joy. And it's a wonderful thing that I can pass that on. And we're very grateful that you have. And you have a number of books as well. You released one at the beginning of this year, which talks a lot more about RTT, but also how we can work with ourselves as well as with practitioners. Do you want to share a bit about that? My new book, Tell Yourself a Better Lie, came about because I realized very quickly in my practice that most of my clients' problems came from the lies they told themselves. You know, if your boss or your boyfriend says you're rubbish or I can't, I don't like you, if your dad says you're you're useless. That's very painful. But the lies we tell ourselves are far worse because we can rationalize my boss is having a bad day. My dad's frustrated. My ex is jealous. But when we lie to ourselves, the mind has no ability to work out whether it's true or false. It's a bit like watching a scary film in your house and you react as if it's real because in your mind it is real. And so I noticed that clients would tell themselves such awful lies. Who's going to love me? I don't matter. I'm not enough. I can't lose weight. I, I, I get fat just looking at a cake. Everything I do falls apart. I know anyone I meet will ghost me. And it was very interesting to go, look, if you're prepared to tell yourself a lie, how about a better lie? Here's a great example. I've got a memory like a sieve. I've got an amazing memory. 
I can't lose weight. I got a super fast metabolic rate. People say, but isn't that weird? Well, not really, because every day your mind is busy making your thoughts real. Your body actually responds to your thoughts. And we know that because if I think of something sad, my eyes might fill up with tears. If I think of something embarrassing, I can go bright red. If I think of food, my tummy will rumble. And if we think of sex, we can get a very physical reaction. So every day the body works to make our thoughts real. That's its job. And our job, which is a great job, is to start thinking better thoughts. So if you're going on a date, you're going, oh my God, what if they don't like me? You go, well, what if they think I'm just the most amazing thing ever? Going for an interview, what if I mess it up? What if you're amazing? So everything begins with a thought. It's like, if you imagine this is like a ladder, here's a thought comes first. And then after the thought comes feelings. And after the feelings comes our actions. And we're so busy trying to change our actions when really we've got to do this. Change your thinking. Everything starts with a thought. And the very good news is your thoughts are yours to change, update, upgrade, and reframe all the time. And if you do that, I promise you, it will change your entire life. That's wonderful. And you give examples of, of different people you've worked with. And I would highly recommend that people read that book. I wanted to focus today on three words that are so important to all of us. And we know with Happiful Readers, this is something that a lot of people struggle with. I have been following you for some time and know that these words are core to some of the work you do. And I'd love you to share more with us about this. And those three words are, I am enough. Tell us why that's such an important phrase. Well, you know, everything that's great about our TT, I must give credit to my own patients because my own patients over my career taught me what, what hurt them, what held them back, and also what gave them a stunning turnaround. And I've always observed my clients and taken a lot of feedback. And my whole RTT course is based on client feedback. And I always have to thank them and acknowledge them because I think when you're a therapist, I mean, I had a great teacher. I'm a great teacher. But you also have a second great teacher. Every client you see will teach you something. And when you start to register that, you think, wow. So I noticed that clients would come in with bulimia or anorexia or just uh, addicted to the wrong food, or they could be addicted to alcohol or drugs or gambling. And now we have this massive addiction to screen time and needing more followers. And I realized that all of my clients said the same thing. At some, they said, I, I just don't feel enough, so I need more. I, I eat a lot because I'm empty inside. I drink a lot to numb the pain. I use drugs to just help me forget. And the emptiness inside always comes from the needs that were not met as a child. And so I was really interested in this emptiness inside. We're trying to fill an emptiness that's emotional. And of course, you can't fill that with cakes or wine or shopping, although we try very hard to. And I realized this emptiness inside that every client would describe, I've been bullied, I can't find love, I'm, I'm no good at confrontation, I can't talk to people, or going back to all the addictions. I've worked with thousands of addicts. I've never met one ever, ever who thought they were enough. And I've worked with famous ones and drop-dead gorgeous ones and super wealthy ones, but they all had the same problem. I don't feel enough. You know, RTT is all about, okay, the presenting problem is there, but let's work with what I call what lies beneath. Let's treat what's really going on. And what's really going on is I don't feel enough, but that's not true. It's, it's a belief, but of course, you make your beliefs and then your beliefs turn around and make you. And then you have something called confirmation bias, which means you're looking for proof 
of what you have chosen to believe because no baby is born thinking they're not enough. And so I thought, you know, if I can crack this not enoughness, that would be so amazing for my clients. So you might notice I have it printed on t-shirts. And when I'm teaching RTT, we have books, we have badges, we have bracelets, we have everything. And we love to give those away. Many people say, you know, it's amazing just starting to repeat I'm enough. Because again, here's that thing. If I think I'm not enough. So here's the thought. I'm not enough. How do I feel? Well, I feel awful. I feel sad. I feel helpless. I feel defeated. I feel anxious. How do I behave? Well, I might behave in a pissed off way, an angry way, a defensive way, or I might just shut myself away, but it's all going back to a thought. But if I change that thought and go, I am enough, here's the thought. Now I feel good. I feel hopeful, positive, feel confident. I feel brave. I feel reassured. And now how am I going to behave? I'm going to take risks. I'm going to ask someone out. I'm going to ask for a promotion. I'm going to talk to people. And so it all goes back to what I call the ladder of looping thoughts, thought, feeling, behavior. And so just making that shift, I am enough and saying it over and over again, it may sound too simple, but that's the point. It's strength, isn't it? Simplicity and indeed it's honesty. And I know it works because we've got now probably 1500 schools, maybe more saying, wow, you know, this I'm enough and doing it with the children, having them make a little placard for their desk, having them state it every day. Bullying has ceased to exist in this school. The kids get on better. They're doing better academically, but the best thing is they're doing better emotionally because they have this self-belief, this armor. So I cannot recommend enough just saying I'm enough. I'm enough. You might go, but it's not true. But that's the whole point. If you're saying you're not enough, that's not true either. You might as well tell yourself a better lie because your mind and body will start to make that real. I really appreciate the way you strip things back to something that is understandable for all of us from from school children to people like myself who might have been reading books on this for years and years and years and trying to crack it. And one of the things you talk about in I Am Enough is is these two concepts of the I am not enough can come from two things, which is the the kind of idea of connection and rejection. And stripping it back to that, it really gave me a light bulb moment. Can you talk a bit more about that connection and rejection? Yeah. So when we're born on the planet, we have one need, and that is to make it, to, to survive. And so as a baby, you, you know that you'll survive if you can find connection and avoid rejection. You know, babies, when they're born, they have that grip, they cling on, they need to be connected and not rejected. And all through our life, we're looking to find connection and avoid rejection. Because of course, if we went back several hundred years to tribal times, if you were rejected from the tribe, you would die if you were banished, cast out, marooned as a sailor, put into isolation, banished from the tribe. I mean, in Romeo and Juliet, when they said you're banished, he said, I'd rather be killed. There's nothing outside the city walls but purgatory because that's like a living death to be banished, to be disconnected. And so I try to help people. I'm going, look, everything is about this fear of being rejected. But here's the truth. 500 years ago, you probably would have died from being rejected. But today, no, today you could live in an apartment with 10 cats, never see anyone, have everything delivered and live until you're 102. So we don't die from rejection, but we feel as if we could. And the answer is to realize that nobody can reject you unless you give them your permission. You know, I, I look at my book reviews and I'm very fortunate that most of them are lovely, but there's always a few going, oh, this is rubbish. There's nothing in this book. 
and I have a choice, shall I let that in or just go, oh, well, they probably didn't read it or maybe they didn't understand, but they didn't like it. That's okay. I like it. I think it's great. And so when you get to the place of saying, okay, I'm scared of rejection, we all are, we're all scared of rejection, but the truth is nobody can reject you unless you give them your consent. I always remember when Will Young was singing, come on, baby, light my fire on X Factor. And Simon said that wasn't any good. And he said, Simon, you can't even say that. And I loved that. He came back and said, that was amazing. And Simon said, you know what? You're right. So he didn't go, oh, my God, Simon Carroll hates me. He came out and said, that's not true. How can you say that wasn't good? And that's the thing with people who make it. They don't let rejection in. I love the story of Meryl Streep going up for the party in King Kong that went to Jessica Lang, And the director said, Meryl, you're not beautiful. You never make it in this business. Just go away and do something else. And she said, that's one opinion in a sea of opinions. I'm actually going to go away and find another opinion. And actually, if you ever saw her in Out of Africa when Robert Redford was washing her hair, she looked so beautiful. But you know, being an actress is about a lot more than just being beautiful. And so there are a lot of people who get a lot of rejection, including me, but the trick is to learn to not let it in. People can be mean and unkind and hurtful, but critical people have the most criticism reserved for themselves. Someone who wakes up and goes, oh, nobody wakes up and goes, God, my life is so amazing. I think I'll troll someone today. I think I'll go online and diminish it. No kid wakes up and goes, my life is so good. I think you're going to go to school and bully another kid. People who get pleasure from rejecting you are an unhappy, an unhappy person feels so inadequate. They need you to feel inadequate. And then when my little girl, when she was going to school and she started school midterm, which is never great for kids. And she had one particular girl who was really mean to her. And I said, you know, darling, you're going to have to say to her, you're not a happy person. You don't like yourself. And amazingly, when she got the courage to do this, this girl actually became her best friend because she's realized that she got her and her father was just dying. And she was really unhappy and was reflecting that out. But she and my daughter to this day are still amazing friends. And so we have to look beyond why is somebody mean? Nobody sits at home and goes, oh, I'm going to reject you. I'm going to dump you. I'm going to hurt you. It's all our own stuff. So if you want to change your life, and I promise you, do not let in rejection. Let it go over your head. If it hurts, go, well, you know, that's okay. It's just someone's opinion. It doesn't matter. Let it go. And when someone says something mean, say something nice. You know, I'm a good person. Somebody wrote to me and said, oh, I hate the way you dress. Who do you think you are turning up like that? You're far too old to wear those clothes and you look ridiculous. And by the way, I hate your voice too. And I thought, that's an unhappy person. And I thought, well, I'm not dressing for you. I'm dressing for me. I don't care if you don't like what I wear. I like it. And I do it for me, not you. And I didn't let it in. I just thought, wow, who could wake up and think that would give them pleasure? I couldn't imagine writing that to someone and going, I hate you. You're so annoying. Even the way you move your hands annoys me. But that's an unhappy person. You have a choice every day. And not letting in destructive criticisms can actually change your life. And 
while you're not letting it in. If you can learn to praise yourself, that will be even better. In fact, I created something called a cheerleader. And I, I created it for children where they have a cheerleader in their head that says their name and believes in them. And these little kids, it's amazing. They'll say, oh, he, he helps my mental health. He believes in me. And I'm so pleased with that program because seeing these children realize that when someone is mean, they can tune into their inner cheerleader who says, you're great. You did really well. You did your best. It was good. Makes all the difference to them. And I actually created that program for adults, but I'm so glad I gave it to children. But I still have adults who say, you know, I have a cheerleader. And many of the parents of these kids said, I, I want a cheerleader. I want one in my head saying, you're doing great. This is good. You don't have to be good at everything. You're only supposed to be good at a couple of things. And so we've got to really massively up the praise and minimize the criticism because there's nothing on the planet that will build your self-esteem like self-praise and nothing that will wither it and diminish it like self-criticism. Can you talk a bit more about reframing our thoughts? I mean, in your book, it's very specific case studies about people who have had issues perhaps in their childhood. And you make it clear that these issues aren't necessarily uh, catastrophic, but it's something they've held with them for a really long time. How can we start to reframe those long held beliefs we have about ourselves? You know, the saddest one and the most impactful one that I see every day is I wasn't loved. My parents didn't love me. My parents didn't want me. I should have been a girl. I should have been a boy. I was expected to be musical or academic and I was a disappointment. And the, the saddest thing of all is that when a parent doesn't appear to love their child or validate the child, the child doesn't stop loving the parent. They immediately stop loving themselves. And so children whose parents have died or divorced or indeed children who are adopted will often say, but if they loved me, surely they would have stayed together, not died, not given me up for adoption. And the reframe is, look, you came through your parents, not from the universe created you. And even though your parents may have vision of what you should be, don't make their story your story. You should have been a boy. You were meant to be a girl. You should have been a girl. You're meant to be a boy. You should have been a musician. You're meant to be you. I see so many clients who make this story. My parents wanted me to carry on the family business. My mother wanted a son and I was the fourth daughter or vice versa. And so it's very easy to, to fall into that story. But the truth is you were meant to be here and you were meant to be you, and the universe that created will support you in everything. Even if your own family don't, you know, we come through our parents, some of them do a terrible job. Nobody wakes up and goes, okay, where's Google? I'm going to ruin my kid's life. Let me find the fastest way. Most people that do that don't mean it. And even if they do mean it, if they knew better, they would do better. And if your life was a big clock, your childhood would really be the first 10 minutes. And that 10 minutes is important, but not important enough to let your whole life be ruined. And here's a great reframe. One of my clients came in and she said, you know, my parents told me when I was about 14 that they had tried to terminate me. And they felt so upset about it. And they said, you know, we didn't want you. And we, we did these things to try and terminate, but you wouldn't go. And then we realized that you're meant to be here. And there's something amazing. And you're so strong. And here you are. And you must be here for a reason. And this girl isn't one of the most amazing human rights lawyers because she's got this belief. I was meant for greatness. I couldn't be got rid of. 
But I had another client who said, you know, I found out my parents tried to terminate and that was it. I mean, how could I be anything knowing that, that I wasn't even wanted? So it's a reframe, isn't it? Two people have got the same experience and one is, well, that's it. And the other is, wow, I must be meant for something amazing. And so every everything is a reframe. It's always important to, to reframe stuff, to say, okay, how can I change this? How can I look at this? How can I talk about it differently? I was talking to someone recently who said, you know, my marriage ended and I feel such a failure. I said, darling, that was a starter marriage. You were 21. I mean, who knows anything at 21? I knew nothing at 21. And that was the wrong. It's like getting a starter. My first home was a little studio. It had a bathroom, a room, and I loved that starter home. And I grew out of it. Then I got a home with a bedroom. Then I got a home with two bedrooms. And I've got a home with four bedrooms. And I couldn't go back to that starter home, but it gave me joy at the time. So I want you to call your marriage a starter marriage. It, it was good. It, it ran its time. And now what everything you learned in that marriage will make the next one amazing. I got fired from my job. Well, what did you learn from that? Maybe that wasn't the right job for you. Maybe you, you can look at that and learn something. So reframing everything is my mother didn't love me. My mother didn't love herself. Many of my clients in sessions will realize, oh, my mother was jealous of me. My dad left. And actually, I've realized today that he left because he felt he was so useless he thought I'd be better off with them. He truly believed that if he left, my mother would find somebody way better. And my dad was a deadbeat or an alcoholic. And I thought he left because he didn't love me, but I can see he left because he believed it was the best thing he could do for me. And it doesn't even matter if the reframe isn't true, because if you tell yourself the reframe, your mind will make it true because the mind doesn't know. And it doesn't care if what you tell it is true or false, useful, or useless. It's a bit like if I put, if I have very dry skin and I put balm on my skin, my mind doesn't go, is that from Prada? Or did you get it free on an airplane? It just goes in and it nourishes my skin. And words are the same. They go in and they nourish you if they're good, but they can hurt you if they're bad. So pay attention to how you talk to yourself and upgrade it and be nice. Be kind, be your own best friend. Go, well, that didn't work. Actually, you did mess that up, but that, you know, you didn't really pay attention to it. And next time you'll do better and just become a loving parent, a loving friend to yourself. Remember, there's nothing that will build your self-esteem like praise. And if everybody woke up every day and just said, these four little phrases, I'm enough, I'm lovable, I matter, and I'm significant. In fact, the whole world would change. And if you're a parent, it's really important to say that to your kids. And if you're not, say it to yourself, because it sinks in like that lotion, and it makes a difference. That's beautiful. And thank you for sharing that with us, because that's something we can all benefit from straight away. I was just thinking about people who take your advice, but actually perhaps need that extra support. So you talked about rapid transformational therapy, which is is your therapy. Can you talk a bit more about this and how it can help people who are struggling right now? Because there are lots of people you've trained in this fantastic therapy. 
Yeah, and it's so lovely that, you know, I used to wake up every day, almost every day to letters and texts and emails from clients saying, oh, my God, thank you so much. I got a job. I got married because of you. But it's not really me. It's my techniques. But now I wake up to letters from my the people I train going, look at the letter I got, look at the flowers, look at something I got, look at the feedback. So it's a really lovely situation. So RTT is really based on what works for clients rather than what works for therapists. And it, and it works works in a certain way. So a client comes in, I always say to all the people I'm training, your first thing is to be an, a good detective. I call it an investigator. You listen to what clients say. And they say really amazing. One of my clients had conjunctivitis and she said, you know, I never cry. It's a waste of tears. When my mum used to hit me, I never cried. And I thought, isn't that interesting? She doesn't cry and she has conjunctivitis. Or someone will say, you know, I've got irritable bowel and I notice all their language is about what irritates and what annoys them because the body is always tuning in to our thoughts. And so the first thing is to investigate, you know, what's going on with a client. And then the second thing is when you've got, because a good detective gathers information, they, they like put pictures up and they look at them and they look at photos and they're working out what, what's happened here. And so our TT is always going back to the root cause. It does that immediately, very quickly. So if somebody comes in and says, I, I can't leave food, I'm incapable, I can't bear to be the focus of attention, I go, look, here's the thing. You couldn't have been born with that. No baby has a problem leaving food because in the womb, you've got 24-hour room service and babies take whatever they want and then they stop. No baby looks away when grandma visits and counts the fingers and toes and the first thing that happens when you're born is everybody looks at you no baby says don't look at me I've got fat legs triple knees no teeth and all these milk spots and really crazy hair so we know something this was acquired and that's very good news if it was acquired you can let it go so you become an investigator and then you sort of become an interpreter and start to interpret how did this, these scenes affect you? And then you interrupt the belief. So I'll give you a good example. I worked with a morbidly obese man, really, and how he'd sit in his car eating takeouts and candy bars in tears, but he couldn't stop. And he remembered being a very premature baby who was very underweight, and his mother used to get hysterical when he wouldn't eat and would cry and beg him to eat. And then he'd bring up the food and she'd cry more. But then when he began to feed and gain weight, she was so happy. And she called him a little jumbo jet and she would praise him all the time. And so he had a memory, if I don't eat, it panics my mum, and I could die. But if I do eat, everyone is happy. And so he'd held on to that belief, which is as a child, it's more than a belief. It's an imprint. It sinks in. And so now we've looked at the information and then we have to interrupt it. That that made perfect sense for a baby. You weren't even wrong to think that. But here you are, 45, weighing 400 pounds. It doesn't make sense anymore. So you begin to interrupt the client's belief system. Then the final part is you install a new belief. So for someone who says, you know, I love cake, I love McDonald's, I love takeout, you begin to change and say you actually love healthy food, you love vegetables. In fact, it thrills you and elates you to take sugar out of your tea because the mind loves 
words that are powerful and exciting. And every day we respond to two things, the pictures we make in our head and the words we say to us. And that's pretty much it. That's what we respond to, words and pictures. And if we know that, it's like, well, why don't you change the words and pictures? Just giving clients one little clue is, is life-changing for them because you're reframing a label. Everybody dumps me. I'm not love. That's not true. You're someone's fantasy dream come true. I promise you there is someone and you are their fantasy dream. And by the way, your problem is also someone else's fantasy. Your kid keeps you up all night. Your husband leaves his underpants on the floor. Your kids smear peanut butter on your lovely stainless steel fridge. Someone in the world would go, well, I'd love that problem. And that really helps. I go, wow, there's someone who'd like me. Yeah, they not only would they like it, they would love it. And then you begin to think, yeah, having this kid that keeps me awake at night, I, I've wanted that for years. Having a relationship that's a challenge. So reframing is, is so beneficial because you have to think, wow, what would I have given for this problem? For me, reframing has changed my entire life and it, it, it will change your life too if you just start to practice it. Like even reframing, I'm exhausted. Actually, you're not exhausted. You just, I'm starving. There's almost no one in the Western world who's starving. You're certainly hungry. And you need it, but you're not starving. You're not ravenous. You couldn't eat a horse. So just reframing how we really hurt ourselves with words. I'm decrepit. I'm ancient. Someone said to me recently, what's it like being a senior? I said, honestly, I have no idea because I would never, ever use that word to refer to myself. I don't even know what that is, but I would never say I'm a senior at my time of life, you know, I paddleboard every day. I hang out with people of all ages and age only matters if you're wine. So even that's a reframe. Don't call yourself a senior or decrepit or an idiot or a loser. Don't use those words. Be a cheerleader. Be nice to yourself because it, it really does make all the difference. Marissa, it's been so lovely to talk to you. I wonder whether you can share where people can find out more about your work. And also, if they're interested, we have lots of people who listen to this who are therapists themselves. If they're interested in training in RTT, perhaps you can tell them about that as well. Yeah. So if you go to marissapeer.com, you can find out where I'm speaking, what I'm doing, find out about. We have lots of products at marissapeer.com. We have um, completely free audios. We don't ask for your credit card on wealth blocks, love blocks, health blocks, successful. Just go there and take them and take them for other people because these are our biggest blocks, money blocks, love blocks, health blocks, success blocks. So take those audios at marissapeer.com. If you want to find out how to train in RTT and no background in therapy is required, and it is, we've won so many awards for RTT. It is a revolutionary way of therapy that I'm immensely proud of. Go to rtt.com. And if you want some of these free bracelets and other RTT merchandise, go to imenough.com. And if you do decide to buy the book, Tell Yourself a Better Life, it's only about 10 pounds, maybe 12, but it has in it four downloads that each cost 30. And one of them is installing the cheerleader. When you buy that book, Tell Yourself a Better Life, you get completely free four audios, one on confidence, the healing vortex, but you get this installing your very own cheerleader who believes in you and roots for you all the time. And is an exaggeration to say that actually can change your entire life that's wonderful thank you so much 
thank you for listening to I Am, I Have. Head across to habfor.com for more great mental health and wellbeing conversations. If you're looking for mental health support, you'll find information on our site, including links to counselling directory. If you need immediate help, you can call Samaritans on 116-123 or email joe at samaritans.org 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you do not have to be in crisis to receive their support. Help is available. I'm Lucy Donoghue, the producer and host of this podcast. I hope you'll listen again soon.